Welcome to the OMA Talks podcast. I'm your host, David Petro. In this podcast, we interview speakers from the most recent OME conference as a preview to their upcoming webinars. This is our second episode of this season, and we'll be talking with Laura Jeannie Newman, who will be giving us a preview of her OME members-only webinar, Assessing Mathematical Thinking, Who, What, When, and How. So let's get right to it and hear from Laura. Hello and welcome. I'm talking with Laura Jeannie Newman. Laura, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you, David. How about yourself? Oh, doing really, really good. Um, I'm wondering, Laura, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and you know how you connect yourself to mathematics. Uh, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about what I'm doing right now and then tell you a little bit about my past. Currently, I'm the math consultant for the Critical Thinking Consortium, and I'm also the co-founder of an organization called Flourish Co. And All of my work focuses on empowering math learners on how to learn mathematics in a way that serves them well. In other words, that ensures that they can flourish, that they can be successful. Prior to this work, I was actually started my career as a university professor where I taught mathematics and economics at the University of Toronto and York University. And from there, I practiced as an economist and then as a chartered accountant. And I have been an educator of mathematics and economics for over 30 years, teaching a wide range of subjects, but mostly economics and mathematics. And during those years, I worked as a classroom teacher, as a resource teacher, as a math coach, and as an instructional coordinator. Now, I'm wondering if you could tell me just a little bit more about Flourish Co. Actually, I didn't know that. And uh, maybe you could tell me a little bit more about what your mission is there. Absolutely. Well, My mission in Flourish Co. is to help build in students the capacity to be able to independently in a thoughtful way guide their own learning. And in mathematics, I find that's particularly important because although students can engage in collaboration, perhaps I'll talk a little bit more about this later, it's really important that whatever learning that they do, any ideas that they hear, various perspectives that they get, that they're able to decide how to integrate that into their own learning in a way that allows them to grow their own learning. So it's really about a focus on learning growth, but also in a way that protects the well-being of a student. Okay, and it's, so it's not just mathematics then, it's just learning in general. It is learning in general, but my focus and where that work began was with math students. Because one of the things that I noticed is there were so many math students that carried with them so much anxiety and stress around learning mathematics. And it got me curious, wondering why. So I have a little bit of background in psychology, and I'm actually trained as a a positive psychology practitioner. And I brought that into the work that I do with students and teachers in the classroom around math learning. So my initial, the birth of Flourish Co really came from the math and the connection to the math, and it's grown slightly from there. Okay. Now, as this is the OME Talks podcast, I always ask our guests to tell us a little bit about how they first either heard of OME or got involved with OME. And so I'm curious about your story there. Well, I first heard of OME as a classroom teacher many, many years ago. I've attended many 
OME conferences, and um, I've presented at some over the past years. And I have many of my colleagues who support and continue support OME in various capacities. So I'm deeply familiar with the organization. Okay. Now, this month, you are guest speaker at OME Talks. You are going to be uh, doing a webinar on assessing mathematical thinking, who, what, when, and how. I'm wondering if you could give us a little bit of a brief idea of what that is going to be covering. Absolutely. And of course, I don't want to give too much away That's because right. I want to make sure people can learn learn about what I'm doing at the workshop. That's right. But in a nutshell, David, um, my work is about how to assess mathematical thinking or to be more specific, how to assess the quality of our students' mathematical thinking. It focuses primarily on the what and the how to assess mathematical thinking and in a way that empowers our learners to build their individual capacities to learn how to use assessment as a primary tool to support their learning. In truth, I have yet to meet a math educator who doesn't want to make this their primary goal for student learning in mathematics. I think most educators hope and some even expect that their students can be strong, reflective, independent learners that can monitor and adjust their own learning to achieve learning success. And I believe rightly so. Ultimately, students have to be able to do that independently. And despite a greater emphasis on collaborative thinking and learning in math classrooms, which I think is absolutely so exciting, um, many teachers do still tell me that the value of collaboration is diminished if we don't recognize that ultimately that learning must be digested by the students and transferred to each and every student. So I think that... um, you know, particularly at the secondary level with uh, secondary math teachers, I think this expectation is quite significant. And so the question I often ask is where and how will our students go about learning how to do this? How do they go about learning how to become strong, reflective, independent assessors of their own thinking? And what is that thinking? What does it look like? And how, how do they come to understand it? So in the workshop, I will introduce, based on a synthesis of research on a national and international level over the past years, I've been doing this for about 10 years, um, how this can be done. And the workshop is really focusing on practical ways that teachers can use in their classrooms to support them and enable them to be able to do this work. So I'm curious now, because you know, when I read the title, and I think when I hear the word assessment, I think of teachers assessing, but you also mentioned students assessing themselves. Are we going to be focusing on one or the other or both? Well, we'll actually focus on both because I think that for teachers to transfer that understanding to their students, how do I assess my mathematical thinking? Teachers have to understand it as well. And so there is an opportunity for teachers to think about you know, what should they be assessing in terms of mathematical thinking? What does that mean? How does it connect to the mathematical processes? How do I assess the quality of that thinking? So it's not simply about have have my students been thinking or have they not been thinking? It's not binary. It's really about, you know, at what level, how well are they doing that thinking? Um, and in all the work that I've done in this area over the past 10 years, teachers find that as you empower your students with the capacity to become great mathematical thinkers and they understand what that is, then they're best able to assess their own thinking independently in a reflective way. And so really, it's a focus on both. Both teachers and students play that role. Now, I've always sort of thought um, 
assessment is sort of that that linchpin for the learning really because i i feel like you know we, we you know we've had lots of workshops about how to conceptualize learning and how to uh you know engage students and 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 do all those things that make math class uh more readily available to students but then sometimes i think that when we don't focus on the assessment, all that, all those good practices, that that good pedagogy, can be undone with poorly thought out assessment. And I agree wholeheartedly, David, with you. I think that first, uh, sometimes we get challenged with differentiating assessment from evaluation. And teachers know that part of their job is to report the quality of their student learning, and they have a responsibility to do that. So they tend to be more focused on the evaluation and less so on the assessment piece. And when I work with teachers, I explain the difference as being assessing is in the absence of judgment. And if you take the word to assess, it actually means to sit beside And if you think about the teacher and as they sit beside, their job is to guide the students and help the students learn how to do that on their own so that in a sustained fashion, they're able to continuously reflect on how to grow out that learning. Evaluation, on the other hand, is um, all about making judgments. And we know that in order to support student learning in the classroom, for them to feel safe and to be open and willing to take the risks, we need to do it in the absence of judgment. Students need to feel that they can take risks without having to suffer a penalty for doing that, that they can take on a challenge, try something new, tweak what they're doing, think about it in different ways. And so as we want our students to be able to do all of that, we also want them to understand that assessment is not evaluation. And so as they're assessing, assessing is about learning. And from a teacher's perspective, about guiding that learning for their students, whereas evaluation is to make that ultimate judgment, which really shouldn't happen until the end. So uh, many of us who are, are teachers, you know, have experienced assessment as only evaluation as students. And um, I'm wondering, and you know, sometimes and, and many of us teach the way that we were taught uh, because we don't, we, you know, we may either don't know any better or, or we, we just haven't moved on from that. Uh, how do you help a teacher who, you know, sees assessment only as evaluation or, or as primarily focused as evaluation to move away from that thinking? I think the best way to do that, David, is to help them understand the power in doing that. Because I think that Teachers don't want to invest a lot of time in something that's not going to make a significant difference in the learning of their students and in the quality of the learning that they're they're offering those students. And so the best way to do that is to actually show them how it can be done. I, I don't think this is a conversation that we've had much about. And I think that teachers need the tools to be able to understand how that happens, while at the same time allowing them to see that it has value for the work that they're doing. So as we have, as our students are assessing and as we are assessing our students, we are gathering evidence of their learning. And as we gather evidence of their learning, it helps us inform our evaluations and make our evaluations more reliable and more valid. 
So I think it's all in helping teachers understand the value of that work. Because I have to be honest, when I was a classroom teacher, I would never take on doing something differently in my classroom unless I saw that it had the value that made it worth the effort, that made it worth the effort for myself and made it worth the effort for my students. So I think that's an important starting point. So, and I know you, you did mention that we you, you don't want to give away all the secrets of your workshop here, but uh, I'm wondering if you could give, give us a, um, a concrete example of something that helps move the needle towards better assessment uh, in the classroom for, for teachers. There's a number of things, and you're right, I don't want to give away too much from the workshop, um, <laughs> but one of the things that I do talk about and a significant starting point is how we frame uh, the questions that we offer our students. And if we frame those questions to that intrinsically invite our students to be thoughtful, to engage in mathematical reasoning, and to invite them to assess in a sustained way, then that will make a significant difference. And so the first step I always speak to and talk about with teachers is, how do you do that? How do you frame those questions? And it's a little bit tricky because we've been doing a lot of work on open-ended questions and we know what it's like to ask traditional closed questions where there's right or wrong answers. But the types of questions that allow students to engage in assessment and allow teachers to gather the growth, evidence of growth in their learning over time are, are really questions that look at degrees that also give students decision-making power in their learning. So there's various attributes that are really important in the nature of those questions. And when they are asked, they are extremely powerful. I mean, not only in the evidence that math teachers can gather as a result of observing and listening and seeing how students respond, but also in uh building the capacity in our students to be able to understand what learning is and how they should go about learning. Now, this may be a, a naive question, but I'm, I'm curious, like, are we always supposed to be assessing? Um, I would say that assessment is ongoing. Um, the invitations for our students, the questions that we ask should be asking them to be assessing what they're doing in an ongoing fashion. I would again, find it difficult to find a teacher who says a student shouldn't be checking the quality of their thinking to see if things are making sense in an ongoing fashion. And in the same way, that is exactly what assessment is. It's about checking the quality of your thinking, um, checking the quality of the strategies you're using and how you're responding. And in essence, really, there's a strong connection to the mathematical processes but it should be ongoing. And I think that's when we make it ongoing, that's when we're giving the students the tools and the time to do the learning that they need to do, to be able to make the mistakes and self-correct and uh, make adjustments in how they're going to learn based on their very unique entry points in the learning. So these are all very complicated things that teachers have to think about. But the beauty of focusing on mathematical reasoning and thinking and assessing that thinking in a way that encourages students to do that thinking in an ongoing fashion, and then that way we can gather that evidence in an ongoing fashion, is what makes a difference not in 
just the capacity of our students to learn math well, but also in motivating them. And often we talk about, you know, building the will and the capacity in our students, and we really want to be able to do both. And taking this kind of approach really does both. And so for people coming to the workshop, I mean, is somebody who is teaching grade 12 math going to find something of interest or, or are we looking at uh, teachers who are in, you know, uh, primary or junior? Who's your, who's your audience here? Well, my, my audience is all math educators because it doesn't matter what grade you're in. We need to encourage students to learn how to learn math. We need to encourage students to learn how to be reflective. And we have to understand what that is so that we know that we're gathering evidence of learning that is meaningful to us and supports the nature of our work as teachers. It'll look different in kindergarten, grade one. It'll look a little bit more different in uh, grades three to five. And by the time you get to grades 11 and 12, that's when hopefully what we're seeing as a result of the work that's being done is that our students have built that independent capacity and teachers can be excited by um, how the students are responded. Again, having taught both grade 11 and 12 mathematics and at the university level, if your students don't know how to think mathematically in a good way, uh, they will struggle to do well. And I, I think it's critically important, no matter what grade level. Actually, I'm curious now, is there a way to think mathematically in a bad way? Well, yes, absolutely. Um, well, it's kind of interesting because when I speak to teachers, I, I often say to them, okay, so what evidence did you have that your students are thinking? So they'll tell me what they've seen. And I said, so what do you think of the quality of what they've demonstrated to you? And they'll say to me, well, it's some of it's really bad. <laughs> and I'll say, okay, so why is it bad? Why do you think it's bad? And so we have a conversation about the thinking that's required to ensure that what the students are doing and what they're presenting in terms of demonstration of learning is actually of high quality. So we often ask our students, you know, to communicate solutions, self solve, solve problems. And, and I can be a great thinker. I can, keep, I can be a poor thinker. And part of what I discussed in the workshop, and this I don't want to give away, is what, is that, this, what does that look like? What does it look like to be a great thinker? What does it look like to be a great mathematical thinker? Okay, that actually seems like a really great place to end it here. A good question to ask ourselves uh, coming into your workshop. And uh, so we appreciate you taking a little bit of time to give us some insight as to what you will be speaking on in a couple of weeks. Uh, Laura, thank you for coming out today and we will talk to you uh, in a few weeks. Thank you very much, David. That was Laura Jeannie Newman talking about assessing mathematical thinking. OME members can still sign up for this free October 12th webinar by logging into our MCIS registration site or getting more info at talks.oeme.on.ca. Next month, we'll be talking with Dr. Andrew Allen, where we will be exploring the relationship between mathematical knowledge and political knowledge through critical mathematical literacy. So stay tuned to that, and in the meantime, stay safe.